We couldn't wait to start losing the mask, and yet we can rip off a medical mask and still be covered in other masks. Why is it that we mask who we are? Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. As we go into the holiday weekend, we will conclude this sermon series. Starting next week, we'll be studying through the summer months uh, different psalms. And so I hope that you'll be back and kick off the summer with us. Uh, We've been talking about losing the masks. A lot of us have been dealing with masks for way too long. And it's been something that was necessary And yet, it was something that became laborious, and we couldn't wait to start losing the mask, and yet we can rip off a medical mask and still be covered in other masks. Why is it that we mask who we are? Why is that such a struggle to be real? Well, what I do know is this. One thing I know is this. The struggle is real. We all struggle with it. We all struggle with a spirit of transparency and just being real for who we are. I wanted to read you a poem today that was written by one of our own related to this sermon series on masks. Listen in. I'm going to put up each different part of the poem on the screen and you can read along. Here's what the author wrote. A mask I wear to hide my face, hide my despair, and hide my disgrace. Hidden I am from the earth, my spirit, my eyes, my face, and worth. Covered up are my ups and downs, stories and life, smiles and frowns. I put on a show to hide my fears, but seeds are sown of pain and tears. My act is done well, for nobody knows how I have fell or the pain of my blows. Because in the dark nobody can see, scars, scratches, and marks all over me. My mask is not perfect, for sometimes it cracks. Sometimes it slips, and sometimes it lacks. But when it is weak, inside me you can see how my life is black and how weak I can be. But if it breaks, a torrent you will see of pain large as lakes and tears on my knees. But with it comes healing, even through the pain, and prayers while kneeling, redemption from shame. That's a pretty powerful insight into the reality of a struggle that happens in many people's souls at different times of life and different stages of life. The author of this poem was one of our own, uh, attends PCBC or has attended PCBC. This was written back in 2013, listen to this, by a 13-year-old. That was one of our youth. One of our youth who just back in 2000, just eight years ago, sitting right out among you, was going through that kind of pain and that kind of issue, feeling like he had to mask his reality. I wonder, as you listened in on that, did you ever imagine that might be one of our own? Did you ever imagine that might be a 13-year-old? And many of you may have known that young man. You may have taught him in Awanas, or you may have ministered to him during his years in our youth ministry. You may have sat next to him in worship, but I wonder, did we see him Or did we just experience the mask? Did we understand the hurt and the challenge that was happening in his heart? Or did we miss it? The reality is that may be going on around you right now. That may be going on inside of you right now. Can you relate? I think many of us can. Now that's kind of heavy 
and that's kind of hard, but the reality is this life can be brutal. This life can be challenging. This life can be overwhelming at times. And the question is, will we walk around as wounded souls or will we allow God to receive the glory by removing the masks? On my right arm, you can't see it from where you are probably. If you got real close, you'll see a huge line right across my arm. It's a scar that I bear. It's a scar that came from multiple surgeries to cut out melanoma cancer. Several different times they had to go in and several different times they had to keep expanding until ultimately now there is a huge reminder of a cancer that was once there. Now there's a difference between living wounded or living with the scars. And all of us in this life, we will be wounded and all of us will be scarred. The question is, will we allow those wounds to cripple us or will we be shining testimonies of God's grace through the scarring that we experience? As I think about my scar, it is a reminder to me that once what was going to kill me is now gone. The scar doesn't have to be covered up. The scar doesn't have to be something we're ashamed of. We don't need a plastic surgeon. We need a heart surgeon. Can I get an amen? The great physician, Jesus who heals the wounds of this life, the death that is ours in sin, and gives us a shining testimony. While scarred, while marred, we can remove the plastic and we can literally let God get the glory for what he has done in our life. But there is a mask that also needs to be removed as you're dealing with your masks, and that is the mask of your enemy. Matter of fact, the Bible says he has masked himself. He appears as an angel of light. In other words, he comes in a masked form. He puts on this mask that makes it look like he is your friend. He is the one that brings you truth. He's the one bringing light to your soul, and yet he is the enemy of darkness. He disguises truth with his lies. We need to remove his mask today. He will come to you, and he will say to you, you're a failure. He'll come to you today and says that God doesn't love you because of something you've done or something you haven't done. He'll come to you today as an angel of light and he'll try to convince you that you're not worthy of anybody's love and you deserve what has happened to you in the past. It's your fault and he'll bring all of these accusations and condemnation. He'll convince you that nobody cares and you deserve what you have or what you're going through and yet Jesus removed his mask, not Jesus' mask, but the mask of the enemy, when he said he is a thief, a thief who wears a mask, a thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And here's the deal, the reality of a thief, a thief has nothing, he comes to take what you have. And God has blessed you, he has fearfully and wonderfully made you, and yet the enemy comes to try to rob that from you. The Lord Jesus has come that you might have life and have it abundantly, and yet the enemy comes to rob you of that life, that abundant life, through the wounds, through the scars. If you're not careful, you can live a life as a victim, you can try to cover up the pain and the wounds, or you can bear the scars and you can be a shining testimony of who Jesus is. As we look through scripture, there are all kinds of scarred testimonies. You think about King David, and we've talked about him from time to time. He is known as a giant killer and also a wife stealer. He's known as one who won many battles and victories for the Lord, but also had others murdered at battle to cover his sin. He had a marred past. 
We look at Paul, and Paul had some dark things of his past, too, that he had to struggle with. He was a persecutor of the church. He was a murderer himself, having the first martyr, Stephen, put to death at his word. And yet he pressed on. His past didn't cripple him. The mistakes that he made were surrendered in repentance. And he became a person, yes, with scars, but a shining testimony for Jesus. All of us have hurtful things, things that we want to cover up, things that we want to put the plastic over, things that we should not be proud of, obviously, and yet they're a part of our story. If you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn to the wisdom of Proverbs today and look at why we're afraid and why we put on the mask. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 challenges this fear. In that proverb, it says this, it says, the fear of man brings a snare, a trap. This fear can show up in a multitude of ways. We fear what people might think of us. We fear what people might say or how they might use that or how they might distance themselves from us. If they really knew who I really was or who I really am, would they still love me? The fear of man brings a trap, a snare. But the one who trusts in the Lord that person will find protection. The message translation reads it this way, the fear of human opinion disables us, but trusting in God protects us from that fear. We're challenged here in Proverbs to not listen to the lies of the enemy, to not be fearful of what others might think, but instead to simply trust the Lord with all that we are and allow him to do what only he can do. And it's in that that we find our freedom. So the Apostle Paul models for us, how do you ever get there? How do you ever get real? How do you ever get to a point where you don't worry about others, but you simply live in a trusting relationship with the Lord Jesus? Well, Paul, who didn't hide his scars, he could have tried to sanitize his testimony. But even in Acts chapter 26, as we're teaching the church how to tell God's story through your story, the Apostle Paul would confess, man, in my past, I was scum. I was a religious guy, but I was a fool. He talks about all the torture he brought to people's lives, all the evil things that he did in God's name. He didn't sanitize the story, but he allowed God to build a new story. As we go on, we see Paul throughout all of Scripture continuing to be real not hiding behind plastic, not trying to be a super saint, not trying to act like he's got everything mastered. He gets transparent. You have your Bibles, turn over to Romans chapter 7 now. Romans chapter 7 and verse 14. This superman of the faith, the Apostle Paul, he says this, and you wouldn't expect this to be his story. You wouldn't expect this to be the story of maybe somebody sitting around you, but it's all of our story. Look at what he said in verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am fleshly. Can anybody relate to that, being a little fleshly lately? Anybody struggle with not a spiritual response, but a fleshly response? Let's start with the guys. How about it, guys? Are you there? Ladies, follow up. Come on now. Because <laughs> you live with us guys, right? Here we go. Verse 15. But look at what he says, for I don't understand what I'm doing. For I'm not practicing what I want to do, but I'm doing the very thing that I hate. Talk about transparency. Paul, as he's instructing others how to live victorious in Christ, says, I struggle with it too, guys. 
I'm not coming to you as one who has mastered it. I'm coming to one who has a master who is performing this in me, and I want to teach you what I'm learning. I struggle with it. I don't always do what I want to do. Actually, I do what I'm not supposed to do. And the things God wants me to do, I take a vacation. I distance myself sometimes from those things. He's taken off his mask, and he's talking about a real struggle that happens with all of us, the difference between the flesh and the Spirit of God who lives in us. But today, our culture is telling us that we, while we all have our struggles, that struggle is our reality. Our culture is telling us that if we struggle with something, that defines who we are, or perhaps maybe even redefines who we are. The struggle, if it's in us, must mean that's who we are. No, Paul is saying we all have the struggles, but that doesn't have to define us. That is where God wants to transform us. So don't listen to the lies of the enemy that just says, oh, you know what, that, that, that's been in your family tree forever. That's just who you are. That's just, that's just the way it's going to be. You inherited that, and that's you. And oh, by the way, that's just the way guys are. That's just the way gals are. We're going to settle for that? Or are we going to let the Lord transform us out of that? Drop down to verse 17. He goes on to say, but now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. The struggle is a result of sin that wants to be fed by our flesh. It doesn't define who we are unless we let it. But it is a real struggle. So what we do is we put on the plastic, we show up at church, and we act like we don't have a struggle. We act like we don't wrestle with different things, and we all wrestle with something. Apostle Paul said it was true. And when we get there and when it becomes so powerful, it's not because that's who we are, it's because that's what sin wants to make us to be, verse 18. He says, for I know that good does not dwell in me, that is my flesh. He he then has to say, listen, I learned this when I was trying to be religious, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a leader among my people and my religion. I was trying to be good for God. I had to come to realization that in my flesh, in my person, in my natural man, there is nothing of value just destructiveness. But in Christ Jesus, in the Spirit, that's different. Watch what he says. He says, for the willing in me is present, but the good is not. The doing of good is not. For the good that I want, I don't do it, but I practice the very evil I do not want. And if I do the very thing I don't want, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. I find this principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. That comes from the Apostle Paul. And if Paul struggled with his flesh, so will you, and so do I. It is the reality of our life experience this side of heaven. The question is, what will you do with the battle? Will you let the enemy convince you that that's just the way it's going to be? Are you going to just cover it up and do church? Or can we come together and say we are a part of the family of God being transformed by our heavenly Father on a daily basis, and we do that together? Drop down to Romans chapter 8, verse 1, because there is victory. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he didn't write in chapters and verses, but in this letter, the thought continues on. He talks about his problem, he talks about his struggles, but then he reveals the victory. For he goes on to say, therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, the enemy would say, oh, you're struggling with that? You have an issue in your flesh? You're challenged with this. You're wanting to not do what God wants you to do. God doesn't love you. 
You're not worthy. There's some people today that didn't come to church because they thought they weren't worthy to be here. The enemy had lied to them and said, man, you're just being a hypocrite if you show up. You got these struggles going on in your life. Who doesn't have some struggles? Who isn't hurting at some point? Who isn't trying to fight off the flesh in their life? There's not a single person breathing. I said breathing. And until you take your last breath, that will be your story as well. But listen, even while you're taking these breaths, there is victory. There is no condemnation. Why? Look at verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That has set you free. Instead of us wrestling with these battles and these struggles, instead of letting the flesh win on a daily basis and then putting plastic on it and then showing up for church, let's remove the masks. Let's just get real in the struggle. And let's do this together and let's let God bring us victory over these issues and allow him through life in Jesus instead of life in the flesh bring us the victory that's ours through Christ. You can live in the plastic, or you can live in the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't need to mask the struggles, but we do have to deal with them. So how did Paul do it? How did Paul deal with this reality of struggling with his flesh, doing what he shouldn't do, and not doing what he was supposed to do? Let me give you some secrets. If you're taking notes, write these verses down. They're key. Go to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. The challenge, and we've talked about this before as well, is how we try to address the scars and the wounds, how we try to address the struggles, is we try to be better today than we were yesterday. And a matter of fact, we'll pray to God and say, God, I'm going to do better. God, if you'll forgive me one more time, remember this prayer? Maybe you just prayed it yesterday. God, I'm serious this time. I learned my lesson, Lord. Lord, I'm going to do better. If God wanted you to do better, he would have never had to come to the cross. If we could do better, if we could fix it, he wouldn't have had to. We can't fix it. And that's what Paul was saying in Romans 7. Nothing good in me can fix it. But in Romans chapter 8, he says, God has fixed it. So how do you let him fix it? Galatians 2.20. He says, for I've been crucified with Christ. To be crucified means that you are dead. There's nobody who's ever been crucified on a cross and came down to talk about it. There's not a single person that was ever crucified on a cross that said, okay, I learned my lesson. I'll do better. No, if you made it to a cross, you were a dead man. And what Paul is saying is, in Christ now, I'm not a better religious man. I'm not a more religious man. I'm a dead man. I have crucified myself. I am crucified with Christ. Look what he goes on to say. He says, for I no longer live. See, that's when we start getting into trouble. When Bill wants to live for what Bill wants, Bill finds himself in timeout. When Bill goes there, it's ugly. When Bill goes there and when Bill's alive, it may feel good for a season, but it brings death and destruction. And the same is true in your world as well. You're a living testimony. You got the scars to prove it. No longer I who lives, but watch this, but it's Christ living in me. That's the secret. That's the change. I've said this before. God doesn't want you to live for him. God does not want you to live for him. You say, whoa, I've heard that all my life. I'm supposed to live for God. No, 
God wants to live through you. That's a big difference. Actually, God wants you to die for him so he can live through you. So let's take off the mask and let's get real and say, man, there's a lot of stuff here that needs to be crucified. There's a lot of things that I've got to put to death and I'm going to let Christ continue to transform me. For he goes on to say, it's now that I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Go to Galatians 5 now. Flip over to Galatians 5. He keeps preaching and he keeps teaching the same truth. Verse 24. For he says, for those who belong to Christ. Anybody here belong to Jesus? A few are willing to take off the mask. It felt good, didn't it? Just lift that hand. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. There it is. Those who belong to Christ don't live in the flesh. They don't live for the flesh. They battle with the flesh, but they have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit as well. I've watched too many people find Jesus in their salvation and find plastic for their sanctification. They come to a point where they realize, I can't save myself. Lord, I need Jesus to save me. They finally get that transparent. And after they experience his forgiveness, they go back to the plastic living. So now I've got to cover up who I really am. I've got to cover up what Jesus is doing in my life. I've got to act pretty. I've got to be baptistic. No, you don't. Please don't. I'm begging you in Jesus' name, don't. And yet we go there. Paul said, I'm not going there. I'm crucifying that stuff. I'm putting it on the cross. I'm not going to live for those things, and I'm not going to live for your approval. I live by the Spirit, and I follow the Spirit as well. But before he sounds like Superman, go over to Philippians now. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Are you still with me? You're probably encouraged. This is the last one in the series, aren't you? Verse 13. Brothers and sisters, who's he talking to? Covers all of us, doesn't it? Those who know the Lord, those who are part of the family of God. Brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as taking hold of it yet, mastering it. He says, listen, I know I'm preaching you truth, but don't get this idea that I'm a champion already here and that I don't struggle. He's still being real. He's still saying the struggle is real. I don't regard myself as laying hold of it yet, but one thing I do, underline that, If Apostle Paul had to do this one thing, I would recommend we do the same. If there's one thing that allowed Paul to have victory over the plastic, let it be your one thing as well. What was it? Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Paul said, listen, I bear scars. I've been wounded. My story is messy but my God is bigger. I haven't mastered it, and I'm still not there yet, but one thing I do, I keep pressing on for his call of God on my life. That's the direction I go. I'm not going to be a wounded victim. I'm not going to be one who covers up that reality. I'm going to be one transparent before a holy God, transparent before you, and let God do what only God can do, bring me the victory through the power of the Holy Spirit. For he says... I press on towards the goal of the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm not going to let the enemy keep taking me to my past. He's not going to keep putting my face in it. He's not going to keep reminding me, no, Paul, you're a murderer. No, Paul, you're this. No, Paul, you're that. No, he said, I am a child of the living king. And I'll press on to his will for my life. 
That will be my future next step. Now look at verse 15. Therefore, all who are mature. That has nothing to do with your birth certificate. I've seen some people way older than me that are way less mature than me. Now, not many, but some. Maturity is not an issue of your birth certificate. Maturity is the issue of your second birth certificate. It's a maturity that comes by being born again, by not just being a natural man, but now being filled with the Spirit of God. And all those who are mature, who are growing, who are maturing in their faith, need to have this attitude. What attitude? Forgetting what lies behind, pressing on even though we bear the scars. If you have a different attitude, he says, God will reveal this to you. So what's your attitude today? Is your attitude, well, I'm just a mess, and so, but I'm going to convince everyone around me it's okay? Or is your attitude, no, while I've got a past, while I bear the scars, I press on. I press on knowing that the God who saved me is the God who is perfecting me. He's doing a work in me, and I'm going to submit that to God on a daily basis. It's not going to be me who lives today. I'm not going to live for what I want. I'm going to live for what he wants. There is a powerful picture of this in the Japanese culture. There's a word called kintsugi. Kintsugi. You didn't know I could speak Japanese, did you? YouTube helped me with it today. Kintsugi is a beautiful work of art where they take a broken piece of pottery, or it could be a broken stone, and that which is now of no value is put back together, and you can see where it's, well, that's a terrible video picture, but where all the cracks are, that's filled with pure gold. And they set that around to remind them That that which was of no value, that which was broken, that which was a mess, that which was going to be just discarded, now has extreme value. And now when you look at that piece of pottery, the pottery isn't what catches your attention. What is it that gets your attention? The gold. The pure gold that filled those broken spots, that brought all of that back together again, that now makes that repaired peace more valuable kintsugi is two japanese words the first word kins means golden the last word sugi means repair the picture is there's nothing more valuable than being broken but repaired those scars that are there the scars those scars don't hide our history they reveal the history you know that this has been broken at some point and yet as you look at that broken vessel you see something beautiful so why do we cover why do we mask those issues of brokenness and the struggles that are so real instead of letting God's refining fire do something beautiful in sugi in our soul Let's pray about it. With every head bowed and every eye closed. A 13-year-old was sitting during one of these sermons, sitting out there in a chair maybe where you're sitting. And yet he was masking his reality. He was masking his hurt and his pain, his tears. Felt like he had to be plastic. 
instead of real. Today, I would encourage you to repent of phony Christianity and simply become transparent before a holy God. He already knows what's going on inside of you. He already knows the struggle. That's why he came. He already knows that you're going to battle with the flesh. That's why he came to defeat sin, death, and the grave. And he offers you victory. While Satan brings condemnation, God brings you conviction today. And he takes you to a higher place, a place of healing, a place of kintsugi, a place where his holy righteousness can be your covering. Oh, we need a mask, not the plastic ones we wear, but the righteousness of God that is available to all. You may say, I, I hear you, preacher, but I can't receive it. Lord, I get how maybe God would love them, but I don't see how he could love somebody like me. Jesus is willing that none should perish but all come to everlasting life. You're worshiping online or in this place and you've never trusted Christ. You've never submitted him all the broken pieces. You are wounded. You are a victim. You're a victim of sin and that sin will destroy you not only here on earth but for all of eternity. The Bible says it will separate you from God not because he doesn't love you but because your sin which is unholy cannot be in the presence of a holy God. So God so loved you he made a way. He paid the price for your sin. That whoever would receive him as Lord and Savior, they could go free. Free of that debt and free to be a child of God. Do you need that freedom? Do you need that Jesus? And call on his name. Say, I don't know how. Well, there'll be ministers here at the front. You can come to one of them, they'll pray with you. Or you can pray right where you are and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Just get real. Lord, I've sinned against you. And Lord, I know there's nothing good in me. But Lord, today I open the door of my heart and I ask for all of you, all of the goodness of you, holy God, to live in me. The Bible says, when you believe in your heart, you will be saved. I hope that you prayed with me just then. If you did, come to one of our staff and share that with them. Jesus said, confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. Give him glory in these next few moments. Yet I know there are many here today, you have trusted Christ for your salvation, but you're living behind the plastic. Repent. Lose the plastic. Lose the mask. Let God's righteousness flood you in this moment. When we stand also, perhaps this week, there's somebody else God's shown you to be praying for, and our who's your one, you come get one of the ping pong balls. If somebody has been saved that you know and you've been praying for them, come get one of the orange ping pong balls. There'll be a number of reasons to move. If you have any reason God's speaking to you and you need to honor that voice, you do that next. Let me pray. Father, thank you for what you're going to do in these next few moments. Thank you that we don't have to live in fear of man or fear of you, that we can just be real, transparent, and you do the rest. Lord, I pray you do that now in Jesus' name. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv podcast 
to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.